Good evening. Welcome to this evening's edition of the Richard Urban Show. I'm your host, Richard Urban, coming to historic Harpersbury, West Virginia. We present news and views from God's point of view. Tonight's topic is God in the Public Square. And we're going to be talking about this for several weeks. Next week, we'll have on an interview with Philip Sharp, pastor and podcaster of Rage of the Age. Okay, so first of all, I want to congratulate President Trump on a great um, acceptance speech last night. And I urge you to see it if you haven't seen it. Now, speaking of God in the public square, pretty much we saw in both the Republican and Democrat convention, you know, different mentions where people tried to trot out, like in the Democrats, tried to trot out, you know, their faith in God. To me, it was almost not comical, but kind of sad. I mean, they'd have like a gospel number, and the next thing, the moderator would, you know, give some crude, uh, uh, what do you say, pan on President Trump. I don't know. I thought it kind of weird. But the, you know, I did um, appreciate the way um, it was presented. By President Trump, you know, as you know, we have faith in God as the basis of our nation. So basically, you know, the First Amendment gets a lot of, um, how do you say, misunderstanding. So let's look to start this out at the First Amendment here. So First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So this gets a lot of misunderstanding or misrepresentation. You know, people typically say there's a wall of separation between church and state, which is a phrase taken from a political letter written by Thomas Jefferson. And they say, whoa, wait, no religion, no God. That's completely false. Thomas Jefferson went to church in the U.S. Capitol. It was not meant to be a discussion of how there would be no religion. There's no establishment of religion. That meant taxing citizens like they did in England to support the Church of England. There was never any intention not to be God in the public square, as is sometimes called, meaning God would not have any... Um, how do you say, public role? Of course God has a public role. But, but there's a confusion about you know, how that role can or cannot be expressed. And of course it can be expressed freely. The point is simply that there should be no establishment of religion. That's a clear point. It doesn't mean there's no religion. And the second point I want to make is it's really not about religion. It's about God. So religion is an expression of people reaching and understanding God. There are many religions. There's probably several thousand different Christian dominations. There's different sects of Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, you know, all kinds of other religions. So Baha'i, all kinds of religions, unificationism. So basically, religion is people's effort to reach to God, but God is God. So often, those who discuss these matters, meaning the matter of God in the public square, and how, you know, are we a secular state? Are we a religious uh, 
state. I'd say we're definitely not a religious state. There's no like establishment of religion, but we are a God-centered state. That that that's very clear. And so those kind of scholars point to two documents. One is the Declaration of Independence, and in fact, President Lincoln also pointed toward that himself. What does the Declaration of Independence say? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So there we see that rights come from God. So if you don't recognize God, how can you recognize the foundation of rights? You can't. So is God religion? No, God is God. God is the founder of the universe. So this is a seminal document. It's not a religious document, but it's certainly a God-centered document. The second thing these kind of scholars who study God in the public square point to as like penultimate expression of, um, how do you say, not religion, but God in the public square done in a very good way, according to, you know, scholars, is Lincoln's second inaugural address given at at his second inauguration, obviously, in on March 4th, 1865. So, and that you find inscribed on and in the Lincoln Memorial. So there it again refers to God, not religion. Both read the same Bible and prayed to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. It may seem strange that any men should dare to ask the just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of other men's faces, but let us judge not that we be not judged. The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has his own purposes. Quote, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be the offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Unquote. If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses, which in the province of God must needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time, he now wills to remove, and that he gives to both North and South this terrible war, as the woe due to those by whom the offense come came, rather, shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in a living God always ascribe to him? Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet, if God wills that continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, as was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. So that is an excerpt, actually a good half of Lincoln's second inaugural Address. So here again, we see the concept that our nation is founded upon God. It is God who brings the standard of right and wrong, but yet it's not a religion 
Lincoln is referring to. So let's not confuse religion with God, okay? Of course we have to bring religion to public square. Of course religion matters. Because that that is the very foundation of good and evil of our nation. Now secularists may argue otherwise, but I assert that it is. And the founders of this nation agree with that. And in fact, that is that is the case. So we need to, you know, recognize principles, God's principles, you know, operating on a world level. So I would say one difference perhaps between my viewpoint and other Christians, you know, I'm a follower or a studier or a believer or how do you say we call tribal messiah or person who's working for the kingdom of God. And I have been educated and taught by Reverend Sum Young Moon, who lived from a two, rather 1920 to 2012. So in that, I believe in and see and understand a supra, S-U-P-R-A, a supra-denominational movement, a family movement. So we don't need really religion. We can do without religion. We need God. Okay, religion and God are two different things. Religion is a way that people reach to God. It isn't God. You know, you can certainly be assured of that. I mean, which God is it then? If there are 4,000 different gods, and if you, uh, that is if you're Christian, and if you're not, you know, there's dozens and hundreds of other religions. No, God is one. So how do we understand God? So that's what Reverend Moon brought really in understanding. You know, I understand Reverend Moon as the true parent, T-R-U-E parent, meaning like an example of a true man um, who, you know, with his wife formed a true family. So he formed uh, many organizations. The most core of them are the Family Federation, World Peace Unification. So, so he emphasized godly families. We need a movement of godly families. So those families could come from numerous denominations even from numerous faiths if they can agree on the basic principles like i've been talking about some of the basic principles of the kingdom of heaven four among these are the principle of sexual abstinence before marriage i just had a four-part series on that you can find out a lot more about that on our uh, website at visionroot.org and urbanlifetraining.org and also fidelity and faithfulness in marriage and the sacrament, we call it blessed marriage, godly marriage. So these are core principles of God, you know. And as, you know, President Trump was right to point out, it's not a government that will save us. You know, we need God, God's will. And ultimately, that's what Jesus came to do, form this kind of true family. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to form a family himself. So we could talk a lot more about that. But the main point I'm trying to bring is as Christians and as even as people of faith, Christians, Jews, Muslims, other faiths, we need a philosophy that explain these godly principles clearly. And Christianity itself is not like an ideological framework. But ungodly people have ideological frameworks. We know of them. Marxism, communism, and in fact the Black Lives Matter movement and I'm talking specifically about the BlackLivesMatter.com website, where they say their goal is to destroy the nuclear family, as was pointed out during the Republican convention, 
and also they're all for LGBTQ and all kinds of other formations of so-called families. So guess what? This isn't centered on God. And also the women, those women are self-proclaimed that they are Marxists. Well, Marxists deny the existence of God. So we can see that this can never be a philosophy that is in line with the founding principles of the United States. And that's why you see chaos throughout the United States on the streets. Do you see any evidence among the so-called protesters and rioters? And I'm talking, well, okay, anyway, you answer yourself. You know, do you see the evidence of kindness and goodness? You know, okay, sure. People who are, some people who are promoting those causes, you know, are no doubt good um, people of various faiths. But I'm talking about what they say on their website. I'm talking about the people, like I was just looking the other day, and guess what? Two white women, coincidentally, they, I didn't know this. I just happened to see this. They're the ones who set that Wendy's in Atlanta on fire. So apparently they send the female people like that out. I guess maybe they figure people won't be as upset or likely to, you know, punch them out if they're females, you know. They're the ones who are throwing bricks through the Wendy's window and tried more than 10 times and ultimately burned it down. And now, of course, they're wanted for all kinds of charges. What the heck? What does this have anything to do with Black Lives Matter? Nothing. These are Marxists, anarchists. These are people who want to destroy our country. It has zero, nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. And we see this repeating again and again and again. Nothing, 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 nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Look at the people who spoke their public convention, like Clarence Henderson. He's one of the original Woolworth protesters, you know, in 1960. These, these people are true people of faith. They don't want anything to do with the, you know, these Marxist and socialist communist promoters of Black Lives Matter. That's nothing. That's what I mean. That's nothing. The Black Lives Matter thing is just a catchphrase they're using for their own purposes. You know, I mean, how many of the Black Lives Matter protesters would agree with these white anarchist women? And I don't really care what color. I'm just pointing that out because. You know, they're the ones who smash up and destroy, most of the time smashing up and destroying buildings. And then other, you know, people who are of low character follow suit and, you know, follow up on it. You know, what a convenient strategy. It's not a convenient strategy. And you know what? People aren't stupid. People see through that. You know, that's why, you know, people should make a choice. And that's why you see good people like uh, Kim Klaschik in Baltimore running you know, on other tickets than other than um, the Democrat ticket, you know. So we really need a God-centered viewpoint. And, you know, also I want to point out, you know, before I close out, it's not left or right, you know. There are godly people in both parties. I mean, the, a lot of the things the Democratic Party supports, especially like the abortion up till birth, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, I don't see how people of faith can believe in that. But, you know, there are some Democrat candidates who, you know, are still, like, pro-life. But, um, so that that's hard to reconcile. But overall, it's really not a left or right thing. It's a God or no God thing. So we can immediately judge and see the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Again, I'm not talking about that catchphrase, but I'm talking about the movement itself as described on their website. 
has nothing to do with God. In fact, it, it, it's an anti-God movement. So we need an ideology that can refute that. And that's what Reverend Moon brought. And Reverend Moon was widely um, initially accepted, but and you know did bring great victories. But a lot of people now don't know about his philosophy, or you know they have ignored it. You know they don't they didn't want to receive it. I don't know for whatever reason. Maybe uh, they didn't like his race. Maybe they thought you know they knew more about it. Maybe they thought they knew Jesus and he didn't. I don't really know what the problem was. But I've been studying about for 44 years, so I urge you to check into it and find out more. That's certainly what informs me as a podcaster, as a person, of course, as a, a family man, you know, is that philosophy. And this is a philosophy like I feel comfortable going to any church. Yeah, I mean, sure, I'm not going to go to a church that promotes something that's evil. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, I don't mind, you know, like I have an idea and like in our organization, Urban Life Training, one of my projects was like we had a thing called the Pure Fun Events. So that was where we would uh, bring the youth, you know, who were encouraged to stay abstinent to different events, like say bowling at the bowling alley. We'd have um, co usually college-age mentors who would come. You know, so I invited other ministers to come, you know. Well, I don't mind if they're Baptists, you know, or whatever, and say they want to witness them about Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. You know, I don't believe that's wrong. I don't tell them, no, don't tell them about that. See, this kind of parochial attitude toward faith is what's, you know, I mean, it's really wrong. It's really harmful. You know, oh, I have my church. I have my Jesus. We don't need you. Goodbye. What kind of attitude of faith is that? And believe me, I've heard that plenty of times because I'm involved in neighborhood ministry. I've heard that dozens, if not 100 plus times. I have my faith. Goodbye. I mean, most people are polite. They don't say it like that. <laughs> but that's about what it amounts to. This is against the founding spirit of America. And it's also against the spirit of the First Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards. He believed in a disinterested benevolence, which I've talked about before. You do good things because they're good. You do good things because you love God, not because you want a candy cane or money or something like that. Or some uh, perk, you know. So, I don't know. I think people really need to wake up to what's going on, see the battle as God versus no God, and also they need to study and about the God-centered philosophy, which Reverend called Godism, or sometimes parentism, referring to God as like the parent, and also the concept of uh, true parents, as we need to be true parents, and also like a head wing, not left wing or right wing. And of course, the head wing is God. And that is really the founding of our nation. So, of course, God should be in the public square and should inform everything. President Trump is 100% right about that. We're not a secular state. If you want a secular state, then go with the Marxist philosophy of the Black Lives Matter website. I mean, where, you know, it's LGBTQ and destruction of the nuclear family. If that's what you want, go right ahead. I mean, go to Venezuela or wherever you want to live where they're trying to practice that philosophy. There's no peaceful state on earth. I don't think you'll find any. Anyway, the point about it is we need a God-centered philosophy, and Reverend Moon brought that philosophy, and it's here. It's here for everyone to, to take advantage of, and you don't need to change your faith. Just learn about it and, you know, accept it and study it yourself. So God does need to be in the public square, and we'll be talking more about this next week. We'll have an interview with Philip Sharp. We look forward to that. We'll get his take on it. He's a Christian pastor and podcaster. So until that time, do be blessed. 
and uh, do exercise your rights and opinions in the public square. I am your host, Rich Urban, reporting to you from historic Harpersbury, West Virginia. Until next time, God bless and good night, and be blessed.